It is almost impossible for me to hear today's text about hiding our light under a bushel basket without also remembering when I learned the song, This Little Light of Mine in Sunday School as a Child. For some reason, this song has stayed with me as other images from Sunday mornings have not. But we had a little mini record player, and I remember putting that on, and we all practiced hiding our lighted fingers under a bushel basket and going, No! And then we continued to learn the third verse, singing, Everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine, and waving our fingers triumphantly around the little room. Letting our light shine is a beautiful metaphor, especially during this season, our fifth Sunday after Epiphany on our church worship calendar that emphasizes God's light, the light of the Bethlehem star, the light of the world, coming into our lives and our hearts. It seems appropriate then to focus on what it might mean in Matthew's gospel to be the light. Yet it seems like one more of those phrases that is simple, but not always easy to accomplish. Recently, I've been playing around with a new social media app on my iPhone that tries to connect people of similar interests. There's over a dozen areas where people volunteer information based on categories such as education achieved and pets and all your favorite vices and how you prefer to spend your free time. Then the computer magically puts you in touch with other people who seem to have checked the same boxes. One of those categories is religion and they use a cross as an icon. The religion category allows users to choose between the following four choices. I believe what I can see. Spiritual, but not religious. Just on holidays. And very devout. Thank you. It is this part of the app that drives me crazy. I don't consider myself to fit into any of these options. Very devout is a label I reserve for nuns and monks. <laughs> Anyone living, willing to live in community and wear a habit, whether Catholic or Buddhist or Hindu, is devout. I am not. But alas, this social network jumps between two Sundays a year just on holidays and nuns in my book. <laughs> so I looked up the word devout to see what I was missing. Webster's Dictionary confirmed my fears. Devout, expressing piety. Piety is also a word I do not think describes me. Pious is like a kiss of death for young progressives. <laughs> now, pious is not the first definition that came up, but there it was nonetheless, staring me in the face in black and white on my computer screen. Not cool. And yes, before anyone takes too much offense, the word devout has a beautiful meaning. Loyal to something, devoted, and warmly sincere are also listed. And yes, pious is probably another word that has a beautiful meaning when, it's, when you look it up, but it has a tarnished definition in my ears. Tarnished and cringeworthy because it conjures up for me an image of Christianity and Christian language that I find distasteful. Not that it's necessarily wrong, but I don't necessarily want to be associated with pious or devout as currently defined. And a quick word here about some of my assumptions this morning. 
I may not be speaking to you personally. You might really cherish devout and pious apologies. But I know that the struggle with language and what it means to be God's light, shining brightly in today's world, is a struggle for many, especially youth and young adults. Our cultural conversation, thanks in large parts to media, tends to paint Christians with a large brush, and it tends to be a stumbling block for many. That cultural portrait um, excuse me, I know I'm not alone with that frustration because there are so many books on the very subject. Some of them are in my office and you're welcome to them. So if some of my assumptions do not resonate with you, stick with me anyway because I'd bet someone in your life, whether family at home or in this congregation, struggles with their Christian identity and perhaps you can help further that conversation. And I've had enough conversations among us to know that some of us are a bit shy when it comes to naming our faith or naming where it is we're headed on a Sunday morning. To brunch? To take the kids to a game? When we say we're busy cooking food for the shelter, do we mention that the shelter is at our church? When we say we are Christian, do we immediately put a few disclaimers in there real quick before the other person has the opportunity to make their final judgments. Have you ever said you're Christian only to find the conversation goes quiet all of a sudden and your acquaintances need to get on their way? Have you heard a bad joke that paints all Christians in a judgmental light and you feel a bit of defensiveness rise in your chest, but you don't know that you want to be associated with those Christians, so you will laugh along and keep silent? These are all experiences that I have had. Perhaps you share in some of them. And I know that as a leader of a church, it is both harder for me to avoid these questions of religion, and somehow I tell myself that it should not bother me to have these types of conversations. But being Christian in Marin does bother me. There is a rub to this Christian practice. And the rub is pronounced here in Marin where spiritual but not religious can be as judgmental and patronizing as the religion it tries to avoid. Practicing Christians are a minority in this county, as we all know, and in this part of the country. I know we're doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly, but are we claiming it? Does it matter? I wonder what Marin would look like if we were able to shift the public perception of Christianity, both within ourselves, reclaiming some of the traditional religious language, and within the broader culture. I wonder if it is enough to do the work, to be the light, without naming the source. I wonder, because we are surrounded by good people who are doing good things in our community, We are not the only or the main place where you can take your youth to be involved in serving others. We are surrounded by resources. We live in a time when churches do not function as the only center to community or justice in town. Which leaves me with the question, is there something about trying to follow this person of Jesus that is worth pointing out? And if so, How would you articulate it? I'm interested in your response, in our response. 
One might call this type of thinking testimony. And yes, that's another loaded word that deserves some unpacking. Do we testify to the light? I wonder how you'd answer that question. I wonder what, why you'd say Christians matter. And it's not only me who's interested. Our youth and children are listening too. Visitors are interested in how we answer these types of questions because outside of this community, there are numerous ways to give back and participate in music, fellowship, and justice. Our wider community is not at a lack of groups who come close to being churches, at least if we look at what they do and how they function. For instance, there's a movement called the Sunday Assembly. It has speakers, community singing via karaoke, and they take up a collection. Their mission statement is live better, help often, wonder much. It's evidently quite controversial in atheist circles because it is so similar to Christian worship, but it's catching on around the country. They've even dubbed it Atheist Church. And that has both positive and negative connotations depending on which Twitter follower you're looking at. Youth programs abound, and yes, many sports teams practice and play on Sundays. How dare they? But did you know that there are paid activities called youth groups that focus on fellowship and having fun, but without any of the connection to a spiritual or faith-filled tradition? Are these programs and communities also light on the same hill? Are we in the same neighborhood, do you think? Is there something particular about the Christian tradition that makes our community's light different? Or does it matter? And yet, here we are this morning. Either you're very well-trained, or something about this community, perhaps the way we live out our faith, matters to you. I wonder if you can articulate it. When I was in college, I was struggling with faith and atheism, and I remember talking with my grandmother about my questions. When I would go home on breaks, I'd spend at least one night up late talking with Grams, typically about religious issues. I guess I was called it earlier than I thought I was. And we would stay up, and I remember when she said late one morning, because it was late, that she and my grandfather used to have similar conversations. He evidently challenged her to name another organization that has done as much good in the world as the church. She posed this question to me, and after some serious debate about all the negative done in the world in the name of Christ, I saw her point. This question continues to roll around in my heart from time to time, because it's not a bad reminder when it seems that we only hear about Christianity as a punchline of a joke, to think about the larger tradition and all of the goodness that it has brought into our lives and to those before us. Because the church is no secret society. Jesus seems to tell us that right from the beginning. Or as Eugene Peterson translates our passage in the message, you're here to be light, 
bringing out the God colors of the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. How do we capture such a broad mission statement as this? Can we put it into a checkbox on an app? Religion, I am light. I am shining. I am bringing out the God colors in the world. I am trying to be generous with my life. Perhaps that is truly devotion after all. Part of my concern in how choices like the one presented on this app make assumptions about what religion and faith are. Because I believe what I can see, too. When I look at the world, I have the choice to see things happen and say, wow, that was lucky. Or perhaps I can say, wow, I feel blessed. Or we feel blessed. Or we are blessed. The event didn't change. My language and response did. My framework shifted. And that's a difference for the religious, I think. We have this framework, and this framework can shift and is shifting, and is partially the reason to have this conversation this morning. Because I have never seen the Holy Spirit any more than I have seen gravity, but I know them both by their effects, and I have great devotion and respect for both. I saw the Holy Spirit in our community's light on Friday night. We didn't need the power to go out in Duncan Hall and the ovens to turn off for me to realize that the youth and adults of this congregation carry God's light within. But since we did lose power and the ovens and the gas ovens did go off, it makes for a much better story. (laughs) The senior high youth were responsible for the evening. They planned the menu two weeks ago and came early to prepare the food. Two of the guys, Joanne and myself, started making lasagna, and as the afternoon progressed, we were all pitching in to make sure tables were set and food would be hot, right on time. Then the storm threw us a curve, and the sun was beginning to set. And I'm proud of our community for what happened next. Reinforcements were called. Marita and Jave walked over with boxes of candles and lanterns. Calls were made, new plans were discussed and put into place. Youth pulled out candles from the sacristy and began lighting them and setting them on tables. Set against the darkness, with candles literally framing Duncan Hall and lanterns illumining the kitchen, it was apparent that we cared deeply and desired to create a hospitable and welcoming environment for our homeless guests. We actually talked ourselves down from a couple of extraordinary measures because we were afraid that it might be too embarrassing for our guests. We were that committed. But that said, we did create an emergency lasagna schlepping team that drove food over to the Baysource kitchen because we knew that they had power. Thank you, we're grateful. The electricity came back on right before the guests arrived and we slowly turned the lights back on. There was a communal groan because we had grown accustomed to the idea of a meal with mood lighting. The night was a huge success, with hot food and warm smiles all around. For some in our group, it was the first time they'd ever met a homeless person, 
And for others, it's becoming a favorite way to spend a Friday evening. We were a shining light together around tables sharing bread, God's children coming together. This is good news. And may we continue to challenge each other and hold up one another, for it is together that we are the light of the world. Amen.